Well, praise God, church. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for being here today. Thank y'all for tuning in. Um, and all of y'all being such blessings. Look at the person beside you and say, you are a blessing. Because this is a great church. I wouldn't have been here. I wouldn't have stayed here if, if uh, God wouldn't have called us here. And, and uh, y'all wouldn't be nice people. Uh, but anyway, praise God uh, for the trip and the journey we've had. I was thinking about this the other day. I turned 60 in the summer. And, uh, and it just kind of hit me hard that I was 60. And then I got to thinking about how many families here in the church that, you know, I was, I was, I'm now ministering to their grandchildren after all these years, you know, and, and that's kind of weird. And so then I got to feeling like I was a fossil. <laughs> and then I looked up, how old do you have to be to be a fossil? And that's 10,000 years. So I said, uh, well, that's, I think I'm not quite a fossil. And so then I said, well, I guess I'm just an antique. And then I looked up antique and they said, no, to be a true antique, it had to be two to 300 years old. So I said, well, I'm not there either. So I finally settled on, I'm just vintage. <laughs> vintage is 40 years. So I said, I'm just vintage is what it is. And so, you know, I, I've always told the board, I said, get rid of me if I never become relevant, you know, if I, if I can't preach anymore. So uh, that hadn't happened. And so anyway, I'm going to encourage you here this morning. I want to have a special time today because really, I, I'm really trying to make today about being with your family, being here together, being with friends, uh, having some fun together. And so I'm, I, my, everybody says I can't do it, but I'm going to do a short message this morning. And then uh, Laura and I want to serve you all communion. I just feel this morning that I just really want to be the uh, one that hands you the, the, the bread and, and, and the, the juice and and I'm really believing God that it's just something special, that God does something special through that. And so we'll have to take a little bit more time through communion. So I said, I'm going to pull it off and we'll see. And so, uh, so get your Bibles out. And if you would go to Psalms 91. Now, now I, I just want to tell you, if you want to, Tracy's right. What blesses us is to see y'all growing, to see you you being blessed, see you helping others, see you bringing people to church, see your, your life and all growing, because then I know that we are doing a good job. And I want to I wanna get across to you. I want to I help you. I always want to bless you. Y'all, I think you all know that. We love you guys, and I wanna, want you to always have every resource you could possibly have. And, you know, I, I told uh, Keitha to get new, some more books into the bookstore. Uh, this month, we're really working on Charles Capps, Charles Capps' Faith and Confession right there. It'll change your life. If you're not a reader, you know, then you can move down. Uh, you can start out with this one, God's Creative Power. I mean, you can finish this baby in just a little bit. I mean, it may take you a week. I don't know how slow of a reader you are. This one right here, The Creative Power of the Tongue, uh, you know, I is a little bit bigger, you know, but I'm telling you, you got to read. You got to be encouraging yourself. You got to be, you got to be working at it. Amen. You're not going to get to be a sharp Christian without doing something. And so early on in life, like I've told y'all before so many times that I, I grew up, you know, in a church. My parents took me to church, but it was like in form and religion. I wasn't learning anything. I wasn't I, I, I wasn't absorbing anything. I'm not saying they weren't teaching. I'm just saying I wouldn't get anything. 
And so I believed in God, believed in heaven, believed in hell, believed in the devil, you know, believed in this kind of general stuff. But to really say I had a relationship with the Lord or really understood the Bible or really understood what Jesus was all about or what it really meant or what what the promises of the Bible were, or what God would do, that he was alive. Because see, in those days, to me, Jesus, it was always like you're only going to see him when you're dead. And I wouldn't plan on dying, so I'm not going to be seeing Jesus. I don't need you. But you wanted to be, you know, morally a good person. And, and you had some tenets of faith to you. But there wasn't a reality. It wasn't like something was going to, you could pray and God would hear your prayer and there could be an answer to prayer. That wasn't ever there. I, I've told you all this before. It's like I remember going to church and the church had a prayer list. When people got sick, they got on the prayer list. And, and as a kid, I used to remember I would, the, the pastor would do the prayer list. He'd be going through the prayer list and then everybody would pray. And then the next week he'd be announcing funerals. And I remember thinking, man, I don't ever want to be on the prayer list. You know, just don't. It's a it's a deal. Prayer list, funeral, prayer list, funeral. And so there was nothing. I just saw nothing real. But then when I got saved and made Jesus the Lord of my life and had the experience in the barn when I almost took my life because I was just d depressed and discouraged in life. And then I cried out to Jesus, Jesus, you're really real. I want to know you. That was my prayer. That was really my salvation prayer. Jesus, if you're really real, I want to know you. And boom, man, my life changed right there. That day, my eyes were open up. That day, I knew Jesus was real. That day, I knew that, that, that I just hadn't been putting the pieces together. So I started reading the Bible, okay? Nobody told me to read the Bible. Nobody you know, uh, uh, said, this is the way you read the Bible. I just picked up my Bible. I had one at the house. So I picked up the Bible, started reading the Bible. And then I was just like amazed. I was reading and I was just always someone, look, look what it says here. Did you know it said this? And she was raised a good little Baptist girl. And so she was like, you know, they had sword drills and stuff, you know? And so I, I didn't know this. And she was like, yeah, I knew that. And I was like, I didn't know it said this, you know, look what it says, it says right here. And so then the next day she'd be coming downstairs and say, look, look what it says here, you know, because I just read and find it. And I remember the day I came across Psalms 91. And I, I was just reading through the Psalms and I came across Psalms 91 and I was blown away. I was like, no one ever told me this. Oh, my goodness. You know, look at what it says here. And then, of course, my wife was saying, yeah, that's Psalms 91, you know, and and I was like, oh, my gosh. And so this week in my daily reading, I came across Psalm 71 and I was reading and I was still just up on top of the table, just just preaching as I was reading this thing, saying, look at this. Oh, my gosh. Of the promises that are in Psalms 91. And I felt right then the Holy Spirit said, share that with everybody Sunday. Just tell everybody to look at Psalms 91 and to, and to, and to just delve into it. So you may know you say, oh, I know Psalms 91 forward and backwards, man. I've read it. I don't know how many times in 35 years, but I tell you what, every time I read Psalms 91, I see something else. I see something, there's another promise of God in there. I guarantee you, I could take this message and I could preach it, Psalms 91 for a year. Easy, easy I could go through this thing for a year because I see so many things going off in this. Easy for a year. I'm only going to preach it in the next 20 minutes. But I could preach it for a year, I guarantee you. So let's look at it here. I want to encourage you with this. We live in a world right now that no one is giving you encouragement. CNN ain't going to give you encouragement. Fox News is not going to give you encouragement. No news outlet's going to give you any encouragement. Everybody's going to give you <coughs> discouragement. We just, you know, end up with the 40,000 uh, Haitian migrants and gone out of Del Rio, and then there's another 60,000 coming. They're never going to give you anything good. They're never going to give you anything positive. Listen to me. The world wants to tear you to pieces. I, I don't want to anger you or whatever, and I've told you all this before. It's not about politics. It's not about uh, uh, 
political parties. I'm just telling you, it's about, it's about God. It's about the devil. And the devil hates you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. That's what the Bible tells us. It's not a new thing. Don't, don't, you should not this morning say, wow, I didn't know the devil wanted to kill me. The devil wants to kill you. He's always wanted to kill you. He hates humanity. All right. And so you need promises. You need encouragement. You need to know what's on your side. Because how many of y'all know that there are, there are some good things going on? Right? I can guarantee there's something good going on. But we don't hear the good news. Because, see, good news doesn't sell. Bad news sells. And so you don't hear it. Well, today I want to give you God's good news. I want to show you God's good news so you can get it in you so that you can read it so that every morning you can get up and turn on the channel of Psalms 91 and read it again and remind yourself of what is for you as a Christian. Okay, is that my countdown? I got to be through after this or what? It's changed to three minutes. I mean, goodness. All right, so here it goes. All right. Now, Psalms 91, you may not have known, but Psalms 91 was written by Moses. Okay, that's who they suspect wrote Psalms 91. They're not 100% sure, but they think it's Moses. So just listen to this. This is what's crazy. Moses is a very detailed person, right? If anybody in the Bible that I have a lot of respect for, I have respect for Moses. How would you like to have you know, three to five million murmuring, grappling people following you along. He had the worst job in the world, you know, then trying to get all the details of building the tabernacle and the nails and, and everybody's complaining. Oh, he's don't have enough water. Don't have enough to eat too much bread. Tired of eating this stuff. I can't even buy a new pair of shoes because these won't wear out. I mean, they just <laughs> kept complaining about everything. Horrible job, horrible job. And I still believe to this day that I want to get to heaven and God, I want to see it on the DVD when we get to watch it, that Moses, when, he, when God said, go out and speak to the rock, he saw a way out, walked out, looked over at Joshua, took a big smile. Joshua, what are you doing? What, well, Moses, Moses, what are you doing? He just took his old staff, whack, whack, whack. God says, oh, I can't put up with that. Oh, I'm sorry, Lord. Take me to heaven. Let Joshua deal with them three million murmuring people. I think he saw a way out and got out of there, but anyway. But it's so beautiful. Starts out, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He, he who dwells. You cannot, listen to me, church, you cannot have a relationship with Jesus or your heavenly father, however you want to say it, the Lord. You can't have a relationship with the Lord if it's just temporal. Any of us know that. You cannot call somebody a friend who you only visit once a year. Hello? You don't talk to them for a year. You can't say that you're, you're in a real relationship with that person. You may have been in a relationship when, uh, you know, a long time ago, but, but if you only visit them once a year, you're not in a real relationship. The person you dwell with, the person who you know what they like and their likes and dislikes are, why, how they like everything, that's the person that you're dwelling with, you're staying with. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. When you dwell with God and you stay with God and you're close to God, folks, then listen, your life and your relationship becomes an exciting thing. But when you just... Think about God on Sunday. That's not dwelling. That person who dwells in the secret place, it says, abides under the shadow of the Almighty. In other words, how many of you have ever been out there on a hot summer day and you're maybe outside and you're out on the caliche and you're working and then all of a sudden a cloud comes over the sun and you feel that change of air. You feel that change that comes over and you're like, 
Oh, thank God for that cloud. How about you living under that shadow of the Almighty all the time? Every time you turn around, God's right there with you. This is where I want to live. Hello? He says, I will say of the Lord, I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, my God and him will I trust. Listen, is God your refuge and fortress today? Or are you doing it by your own strength and ability? Are you dependent upon your ability to manage your finances, manage everything? I heard, I read an article that in Israel, they're pushing very, very, very hard to get everybody vaccinated in, the, in, in Israel. And they're at like 80% vaccinating, but they're still having problems with the COVID. And so they, they had it to where if you had had two shots, you could have your little vaccine passport and then you could go anywhere in buildings and stuff like this. You had your green pass and you could go. But then they saw that it was changing. So they changed the rules. They said, well, you've got to have the booster. So in, in two weeks, if everybody doesn't have the booster, then you no longer have the passport. And I thought to myself, how are these people? It's like saying, OK, if you reach this point and then, well, they changed the scale. Hey, in life, it's like that when you're dealing with people who either don't know what they're doing or they're corrupt, they're going to come to this place and they're going to change on you at the last second. But if God is your refuge and your fortress, you know what? You can sit back and trust in him because you just believe in him to make it all work out. That's what it's about right here. He says, for surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Now, folks, if we ever needed a word, for today is right there, delivered you from the snare of the fowler. In other words, that's the guy who's got the bird trap set up. He's waiting for you to walk in so he can pull the stick, drop the box on you, and you're caught. Now, I don't know about you. I have found out in life that I'm not smarter than most crooks. Hello? Do you know what I'm talking about? You think you're going to make it and then, oh, they changed the tax rate. Or they changed the rules. Or they did something. You think you're just about to get there and make it up? This says right here, when you make God your refuge and your fortress, then he delivers you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. In other words, what's going on and what's happening to the world is not necessarily going to happen to you. He said, well, pastor, I don't know. That's what, no, I'm saying this is where you can live. You got to have faith in it. And you got to believe in it. And you got to walk in it. But, you know, it's there. It's your promise. Yes, Lord. Man, this is good. Because then, see, you don't have to be smarter than they are. You just got to be connected with him. And that's where I'm all banking on. I'm banking my connection with God and my relationship with God is going to keep me from getting snared by the fowler. When something gets hold of my foot, I'll just shake it off because I didn't know what it was. And he wasn't paying no attention. Folks, Christians have got to start living like Christians. We have got to start being the church that Jesus called us to be, that he paid his price of his blood on the cross for. We got to be the Christians who are not just going, not just here on a Sunday morning, going to go eat dinner, be all nice to each other, and then go back out into the world and be just like the rest of the world and think that the same things that happens to the rest of the world is going to happen to us. Christians are supposed to be faith-filled believers with our face and our eyes towards heaven, looking into the glory, believing God for everything. He's our refuge. He's our fortress. He's our high tower. When they say this is going to happen, you say, that ain't going to happen. When they come running to your house, scream, ah! you say, that is not going to happen. Hello? 
Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the noise and pestilence, and shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings shall you take refuge. That, that hen laying on her eggs, hatching her chicks out, keeping them all right there, spread out all over those chicks, just taking care of them so nothing happens. Man, I want God spread out over my life. I don't know about you, but I'm not trusting in anything but God spread out over my life. Yes, Lord. There may be some people with well-meaning intentions, but I'm still trusting in God for his sovereign power and anointing over my life every day. And folks, when you dwell with God, that's yours. Okay? He says, his truth shall be your shield and your buckler. His truth. Truth of what? The truth of his word. The truth of the promises. It's your shield and your buckler. Folks, it's so easy if you're, if you're in truth, walking in truth, it's easy to live. You see, I don't worry about my finances too much. You say, oh, pastor, you need to get in front. You need to be sharp. You need to be understanding. Oh, you gotta be good. you're getting old, man. You're going to get to some retirement. You know, you, you, you can't preach forever. You've got to do this. And, so, and then I get to talking sometimes to different people. And I get all freaked out. Then ah! I start freaking around the house. Oh, God. And then God says to me, you know, Robert, what does my word say? What does my truth say? And he always said, well, Lord, you know, uh, uh, so, you know, Matthew 6 says, I'm not supposed to worry about anything. Okay, that's a good place to start. All right, so stop freaking out and listen to me. Oh, okay, Lord. Uh, you know, uh, Philippians 4 says, uh, you know, in everything that I'm to just pray to you and I'd be anxious and then I won't be anxious for anything. Oh, that's another good place to start, Robert. Start right there. And he said, lay up treasures in heavens where moth and rust and earth that they, they can't destroy it. Then I'll take care of everything else on earth. Given it shall be given to you. Good measure and press down, shaking together. And I said, that's what the word says. You're going to believe the word or you're going to believe what man says. Amen. And I slap myself. <laughs> Straighten up. Fly right, Robert. Put my pants back on, stuck my boots on tight. Say, okay, bless God, I'm ready to go. I'm sorry, Lord. Got off track a little bit there. Got off track. You said, your truth is my shield and my buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the air that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand will fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you, folks. What I'm saying to you is, where, you, where is your faith? Where is your refuge? Where is your trust? And I realize that through, through all the COVID that we've had and through the, that, 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 that there's, there's people affected and people lost loved ones and there's something, yes, I understand that. And I know that and we're praying and we're believing God. But it didn't end up like they told us originally in 2020 that we were gonna have truckloads and there weren't enough body bags for everybody. And my point is, sometimes man always makes things out worse than it is. And it goes back to that exaggeration where the guy goes out fishing, you know, and I caught up. I caught up. I couldn't hardly get him in the boat. Then you look in his box and it's, you know, five little perch. But I like standing here saying, when everybody else says death, death, and destruction, I say, well, I'm not going to be afraid of the terror by night, nor the air that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction of death. A thousand will fall up my side, 10,000 in my right hand, but it ain't coming near me. Amen. Hallelujah. You say, but what if? I don't play what if. I play Psalms 91. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. You know, folks, listen to me. I want to tell you something. I take great joy. I guess joy is the word. 
I, 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 I take great joy in knowing that the wicked ain't going to get away with nothing. They may think they're going to get away with it, but they ain't getting away with it. I know that God is a righteous and just God. And I know every, everything at the end, at the judgment day, is all going to be worked out and nobody gets away with nothing. Hello? And that excites me, makes me feel good, makes me happy on the inside. Because sometimes I feel like I get cheated and where was my justification? And then I stop and I say, you know, Lord, I just thank you that eh, the reward, the wicked are going to get their reward. Because you've made the Lord who is your refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. He says it again. Your dwelling place, your dwelling place is your dwelling place with God. Then he says, no evil shall befall you nor any plague come near your, your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Now think about this. You're talking about angelic forces being loosed over you because you're believing in God. He said, well, I don't know. That's kind of spooky. That's kind of kind of, you know, twilight zoney stuff. Listen to me. I believe in angels. I don't believe in angels because I can sit here and say, oh, I've seen angels, you know, do this and that and the other. I believe in angels because the there is as much evidence of what God's promises are about angels in the Bible as there are about just about anything. And if you go read your Bible and you look and talk and you see how many times angels are mentioned in the Bible, I believe in angels. I believe in guardian angels. I believe that you should be praying and not praying to angels, but telling angels what to do. I don't understand the total dynamic. It makes me a little nervous talking to somebody that could kill, you know, 185,000 Assyrians in one night and telling him to take care of me so I get to the right place. It makes me a little nervous, you know. I don't want him to get mad at me. But that's what the Bible says. The Bible says in the, in the, listen, the, Bible says in the last days, in the end when it's all over, that you are going to judge angels. Now, <clears throat> I mean, y'all, y'all pretty good people. But I mean, you're going to go judge Michael? Gabriel, the dude that killed 185,000 Assyrians? Well, I was looking at your technique. You know, it looked like to me it took three or four more extra strokes per kill, and you could have done it. I mean, what are you going to say? Huh? What are you going to say? You look like you were enjoying it a little too much. I mean, I don't know how that works out. kind of freaks me out. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I just know that that's what the Bible says is going to happen. So, folks, I'm telling you, the ministry of angels over us, it says the only do what the Word of God says. So when the Word of God's coming out of your mouth and you're telling angels what to do, according to Psalms 91 and a lot of other places, it says they're going to keep you in all your ways. They're going to keep you from even dashing your foot against a stone. Now, as you get older, some of you younger people don't understand this. That becomes a very important scripture. <laughs> Very, very important scripture, because I don't understand how it happens. But as I get tired during the day and if I get over, I know when I have become the time that I need to go to the house is when there just could be an extension cord laying on the floor and I trip over it. And I'm like, how could I have tripped over that much? You know, not like hung it on my foot, like just stepped on it and tripped. And I start saying, when I start stumbling, it's time to go to the house. So this is an important scripture for me. Oh, here we go. You shall tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion, the serpent, you shall trample underfoot. Folks, this is about a being a bold Christian. This is about walking and being bold in the things that God has called you to. Because he has said, here we go. 
because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. Do you know that if you set your love upon God, God will deliver you? If you set your love upon God, he will deliver you. It's a promise. It's not going to be like he's going to think about it. No, it's a promise. Because he has set his love on me, therefore I will deliver him. Now look at here. I'll set him on high because he's known my name. In other words, God's going to exalt you because you love him. So many Christians are praying, say, oh, God, help me, help me. God wants to help you, but he wants you to set his, your love upon him, and then he will set you on high. It's not you trying to get him to love you. He loves you. Everybody say, God loves me. Look at the person beside you and say, God loves you too. Here we go. And he will call upon me. I will answer him. Wow. The almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth and all therein. The almighty God who, 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 who spun all of this into existence loves you. Think about that. So much that when you call on him, he says, yeah, what do you need? <laughs> Whoa! I mean, you call him and he answers. You don't get the answer machine. You don't get the, you know, the voice recording. I'm sorry, I'm currently unavailable. So then here we go. He will call upon me and I'll answer him and I'll be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. What? What? God's going to honor you? Yeah, because you believe and trust in him. See, when you put your faith and trust in him, then he's there to take care of you. So why are you worried about everything else? Last one, with a long life, he will satisfy you and show him my salvation. He's going to satisfy you with a long life. So then I guess CDC isn't really going to set my life. They're not going to determine how long I'm going to live. Y'all know the, the, the story in Daniel, it's 723, where uh, the Nebuchadnezzar's son was messing around with the, all the, the gold in the, from the temple and having a big party, and the, God came, wrote on his finger, you know, and, and he got Daniel to interpret it and said, yeah, you've been... You've been weighed in the balanced and found wanting. And he says, because you didn't know the God who holds your breath in his hand. <laughs> I was reading that the other day. I got to laughing. I see here. Yeah. God who holds my breath in his hand. Wow. I'm glad you got hold of it, Lord. Huh? I'm glad my enemies can't jerk my breath out. Might knock the wind out of me, but they can't jerk my breath out. Hello? Psalms 10, 20, I mean, uh, John 10, 29, that I'm in the palm of the Father's hand, ain't nothing taking me out. You see, folks, this is your promises. This is the great God you, you serve. But as Christians, we got to walk in it. Amen. We can't have promises like this and then not walk in them. We can't just say, oh, yeah, I love Jesus. When I die, I'm going to go to heaven. And that's it. That's the extent of your knowledge of God. It's all these promises in Psalms 91 coming into your life and you being able to turn around and say, Lord, I just thank you today. You're taking care of me. I declare, I don't know what's going on, but a thousand will fall up my side. 10,000 my right hand ain't coming near me. Amen. I'm walking today as a child of God. I'm walking again as a born again child of God, washing the blood of Jesus. This is how I'm going to walk because this is what you promised me. I love you, Lord. Love you with all of my heart. And I want to stay in the dwelling place with you. Amen. I'm going to live in your truth. Yes, and folks, this is when you do that, when you start exert, when you start exhibiting that kind of faith and making that kind of a confession, things begin to change in your life. 
because God's moving. But so many Christians have got it wrong. They just walk around and say, oh, God, what was me? What's this? What's that? How's this going to take place? What am I going to do here? What's going to take place? I don't know, Lord. I, you, why aren't you doing something? How come you didn't do this, God? Yeah. And that's their relationship. Well, nobody wants to sit with a murmur and a griper. You don't go sit and eat, drink coffee at the cafe with the person who just is always complaining about everything. You don't want to listen and say, I can't go down there anymore, man. God makes me depressed. Hello? So let's take this Psalms 91. I challenge you, just take about 30 days and read it till you got it down into your heart so much. Just read it every morning, read it every night, read it as much as you can. Just get it down your heart and say, oh, well, I know Psalms 91. Do you really know it? Get it down. Amen? Amen. Now, I want to tell everybody out there that's watching the broadcast, you need to get your communion ready. We're going to have communion. We're going to be serving it here in just a minute so you at home can take communion there. Now, in here, church, I want you all to know we have an open communion service. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then, then you're welcome to have communion with us. Only, only requirement for communion is that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life. That's what it's all about. You're communing with him. But I believe in miracles. Listen to me. I believe in miracles. I believe there's a miracle every time that you open up your heart and you talk to God, there's a miracle there for you. Okay? Now, I know we've all been raised in different backgrounds. And I, I know that we've come up in church in different places, but I'm just telling you this morning, I'm believing that when, when my wife and I serve you communion, I'm believing with all of my heart that if you by faith will come to the altar and you by faith have a, a request and need anything from God, that when we serve you communion, I'm believing that's the answer to your prayer. I'm believing God's going to touch you, believing God's going to do whatever you and him want to do. Okay. So, uh, Get your hearts ready. Get your hearts prepared. Lord, go ahead and have the, 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 the praise and worship team come on up and, and get ready. And uh, put the holy anointing all on. So the scripture tells us on the night that Jesus was betrayed, that he took bread, that he blessed it, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples and he said, now take and eat. For this is my body, which is broken for you. So, Lord, we take this bread right now and we thank you that as we put faith in everything you've done for us, Jesus, that this bread becomes a, 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 a connection of our faith with what you did for us. And that, Lord, today that you heal our broken bodies. So for those of you at home, take and eat. So afterwards, he took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. So amazing, church, that there's no one should be here today. No one should be watching this service and leave having any guilt in your life because forgiveness is here for you today. You may not want to forgive yourself, but God says, I want to forgive you. I want to wash your sins as far away as the east is from the west. I want to make you as white as snow today. If you would just repent, I'll forgive you. So Lord, we thank you for what this cup represents. Your blood poured out on the cross for each of us, Lord, for our forgiveness. So take and drink. So if I can, let me have my 
Let me get a few prayer team people down here and a few uh, people and then start filling up the aisle or the front. <laughs>